I know our graduates don't always see what happens in the uh, behind the scenes, but I, I want you to know that as um, you guys have gone through what you've gone through in the past four years, and even prior to that, uh, a number of people have lifted you up in prayer and have asked God to open doors and to give strength and to help uh, you endure the trials that inevitably you'll face. And all those things that um, are of the unseen realities uh, that go to make up our lives here on earth. And one of the things that happens in, in, in any young person's life is that transition from being dependent upon your parents to ultimately being shaped and formed to basically live life as a, as a responsible adult and a human being that contributes to the to the overall community in some form. And that, I believe, is just what God has been up to from the beginning. And it's a pattern that reoccurs over and over in Scripture. If uh, you've been uh, following along in the last few weeks uh, regarding the storyline of Joseph, uh, you know that the trial that uh, he's gone through has actually been a shaping experience for him for the thing that he would be called to uh, to do on a pretty large scale later on. And uh, I don't know about you, but the first time that I, I, I walked into the door of a church, I, I thought, I wonder what is behind this door and who is behind this door and what will happen when I go through this door. And in a lot of ways, it wasn't quite what I imagined. But uh, overall, it was much better than I ever expected. And one of the confusing things about walking into the door of a church is the fact that we are still going to have pain. We're still going to have trial. We're still going to have many of the things that we face without God in our lives. But as we walk through the door, we discover that all of those things that happen in our lives are not just random circumstances or forces of evil working against us, but rather maybe things God has allowed to happen to each of us so that we can be tested and tried and shaped into the people that we need to be for the road ahead. Now, Joseph was a prime example of exactly that. And if you recall in the opening uh, storyline, uh, parts of the storyline of, uh, of, of being a young man, uh, he, was, he was a little full of himself. He had uh, really uh, the, the blessing and, and basically the favor of, of parents who uh, very quickly resulted in a lot of resentment from his, uh, his siblings. And if you recall, uh, his dad was so proud of him, he made him this coat of many colors, and it was this actual garment that got him into a lot of trouble. Uh, that garment was a symbol that reminded his siblings that he was, he was in a special class above and beyond those of, uh, of, of, the, of the kids that he grew up with. And they didn't take too kindly to that. And if you recall, uh, it led to um, them plotting against him and ultimately being shipped off to who knows where in slavery. If you're here last week, you know we studied how God remained with him through the course of this very painful ordeal and gave him a sense of his presence and a sense of his, his help uh, as he 
tracked along with him through all these different things that he had to face. One of the most dramatic events we, we know is recorded uh, by how he came into the land of Egypt and was quickly identified as somebody who had great potential only to realize that as uh, that potential unfolded and he was given a place of honor and a place of great responsibility in one of the most powerful bureaucrats in the Egyptian uh, empire, uh, that uh, there were forces at work in the world that weren't necessarily uh, good. And in his case, it was, the, uh, it was this woman who had said, um, I'm, I'm very wealthy, I'm bored, and I like the looks of this guy, I think I'm going to have him. And as a result of those desires, Joseph found himself dealing with something uh, that he wasn't quite prepared for. And his primary recourse was just simply to say, this is not right in the eyes of the Lord. And I choose to honor the Lord in how I'm going to respond uh, to this temptation that you're placing in front of me. And whatever may happen, um, I know the Lord is trustworthy, and he'll see me through it. Now, I don't know if any of us were put into those circumstances, if our convictions would have been so, uh, uh, you know, so strong within us that we would not compromise our, um, uh, our, our beliefs in order to enjoy the pleasure of the moment. But if they're not, God assures us that he will go to work in our lives so that eventually we'll land at a place where those convictions will be there and it'll just simply be a no-brainer. For some of us, uh, maybe we've crossed that threshold. For others, uh, we're still not quite as strong as we'd like to be. And God sees our hearts. He knows where we're at. And he knew where Joseph was at. And he said, um, you know, Joseph has got something going on in his life uh, that uh, really is uh, of, of, of great potential that can be useful for my overall purposes for my people. But Joseph also has some rough edges that need to be filed off. And uh, these things that God allowed him to go through were simply his way of testing him to see, to get a baseline for where he was at in his relationship with God and uh, also tested him a little bit more to see whether or not um, there would be a point where he would kind of waffle and cave. And believe it or not, God does that with each of us. Um, Rick Warren summarized it very well when he said in his book, The Purpose Driven Life, life is basically three things. It is a test, it is a trust, and it is a temporary assignment. And that pattern that he recognized is seen throughout many of the biblical stories of characters like Joseph in the Old Testament and certainly parallels the life of Jesus as he was tested and trusted and given a temporary assignment. And I don't believe it's any different for any of us. God is active in each of your life in ways both seen and unseen, appreciated and unappreciated for the purpose of drawing out of us that potential that he initially wired into us so that we can expand on that and one day be with him forever in, 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 in perfection that is parallel to Christ. And that's a pretty big order. And the only way that God can get there is not with a magic wand, but with a series of events through the course of time that we have to process in some way 
so that we can, we can show what needs worked on and what doesn't need worked on. And um, it's, uh, it's just God's way of saying, I'm, I'm making something happen. Um, as, as we've been celebrating our graduates, I've been thinking about my own kids who are getting pretty close to that, uh, that threshold as well and crossing it. And, uh, and, and, and I'm thinking about how well they've been equipped for what they're going to be doing. Uh, my son, uh, Christian, as you know, um, it has not deviated since probably day one when it comes to plants. And that's just sort of been it. Uh, it's been a very clear vision uh, from the get-go. Uh, now his question is, what do I do in relation to plants as uh, a landscape architect? And that process of refinement is going on even now as we speak. And professors, and all the way from professors to God to parents, are saying, we see this potential in you, uh, but there's some work to be done in some of these areas. My daughter, she's hoping to be a mechanical engineer, um, and she's learned a lot about you know, the, 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 um, the design uh, software and all of that that goes along with that. But uh, you know, we were out, uh, I told her to go start the four-wheeler the other day, and I had forgotten I hadn't really shown her how to ride the four-wheeler. She just rode on the back with me, and I let the other two loose on it, you know, and they practically killed themselves a few times. And she, um, she hadn't really had that opportunity. And I said, uh, go out and start it and put it in the shed. And uh, she wasn't really sure how to do that. And I thought for a second, you know, we've got some work to do here. So I sat down and I explained to her uh, how, uh, what a carburetor was, how it functioned, and how the choke worked, and how the engine responded. And, and it was so cool to see her just soak it up because it was like she had been predisposed to understand it. And after I said it, it was all just very clear. And God is working in us to predispose us to understand things so that when they become visible to us, they become clear. And Joseph had had these series of encounters in life that involved God speaking into his life that helped him to see what he needed to see so that he could understand things even more clearly as life went on. And what God did in Joseph's life was, uh, was kind of unique. He, he allowed him to be shipped off to slavery, but he also directed his path so that when he went to a place where he would be sold for auction and, and, uh, and put to service, uh, God said, I've actually designed you so that you can be an administrator. And very quickly, uh, that capability just emerged because he saw it. He saw how the organization of his master's household worked, and it was just a pretty easy thing to make it work and work very well and very successfully. As you know, through the experience of being tried and tested, he found himself ultimately uh, thrown in prison. And there again, it seems like this capacity to see how things worked Began to, uh, began to show up and he recognized that even in this prison system there was an organization and he quickly identified the components of that organization and found himself in charge of pretty much everything that had to do with prison life in that setting. And he was trusted as a prisoner by those who were keeping him captive and said basically we could just we could give him the keys, we could go away on vacation, and we know that if we came back, everything would be managed in the proper fashion, and we have no reservations about that. Now here Joseph is wondering, 
what, why am I going through all of these different negative experiences, beginning with my brothers and sisters, ultimately uh, finding myself in a pretty good place so that it can only just crumble uh, just right in front of my eyes, and then to be thrown in prison. God, what are you up to? And this really is what it means to go from the pit to the pinnacle. God allows you and I to go through stuff that is perplexing, that often is undeserved, and frequently is confusing. And with those introductory remarks, we're going to very quickly go through our message outline. So uh, before you turn it over, uh, there is a statement in there, and it has to do with where he's at currently in, in relation to his circumstances. He's been in prison. He actually interpreted a couple of dreams for two very important people in Pharaoh's household, the chief cupbearer and, um, and, and, and the head baker. And one dream for the cupbearer, he said, uh, uh, the cupbearer had a very vivid dream and he couldn't understand what it meant. He asked Joseph if he could, he could, he could interpret it. And Joseph said, I can't, but God gave, will give me the words. And so let's see what happens. He told him and he said, you're going to have a grapevine. It's going to have three branches and those branches are going to blossom. Ultimately, grapes will appear. And essentially, uh, you're going to squeeze uh, those, uh, those grapes into the cup again of Pharaoh and be reinstated as cupbearer. And sure enough, it happened. And the baker, uh, he said, well, I had a dream. And Joseph said, well, I can't, do I can't give you the, 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 the interpretation, but God can. So tell me what it is. God told him. And uh, he said, um, uh, this dream that you had of a, uh, a, 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 basically a, a, um, some loaves on your head uh, being eaten by birds is just a way of saying that you're going to be here for about three days and then you're going to be impaled and it's going to be game over. And I'm sure that he wasn't too happy that it wasn't a great interpretation, but three days later, that's what happened. Joseph had told the cupbearer, after I interpret this dream, make sure you tell Pharaoh uh, to remember me, not to forget me, and perhaps show his favor upon me so I can be pulled out of uh, this, 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 this prison. And the cupbearer says, sure, sure, whatever, all right. And then scripture tells us the chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. And one of the most painful things that Joseph went through was not just the mistreatment of his brothers and not just the, the abuse that he had from people in, 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 Pharaoh's, or in Potiphar's household, but ultimately it was the abandonment that, um, that, that basically overshadowed him so that he was in prison knowing that he had played a role in helping a person who was very close to Pharaoh who could leverage whatever needed to happen to get him out, and yet he just felt forgotten. And he's wondering, God, where are you at in this? You interpreted these dreams through me for them, and I'm not seeing anything happen. And so for one day, two day, three day, 700 mornings and evenings, he woke up. And he said, God, where are you? And what are you doing? 
And so I want you to, 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 to understand as this pattern unfolds, it's parallel to what we go through a lot. And this is what we need to be made aware of. First of all, for two years, Joseph wondered what God was up to and why. And why had his friend forgotten him? And if you've ever felt like you've been abandoned or forgotten, you know it's very painful. Especially by someone that is very close to you and it seems like uh, they, they just haven't really made the effort to, to be involved in your life again. And he was feeling that, 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 really, that, that sting and that pain. And this causes him to, to not question so much God as much as his friend. And uh, the next thing I want you to be made aware of as we, as we move on here is that Joseph felt forgotten because God was testing his patience while equipping him for the next level of responsibility. Now, let's just stop right there. I use the P word, patience, which we all know is something you don't want to pray for because invariably if you do, God will give you some circumstance that will show up that will be the total opposite. But Joseph had gone through some tests already. And one of the tests was whether or not he would be faithful to God uh, in light of the proposition of Potiphar's wife. And he passed that test. And now he's, uh, he's being tested for uh, something that, you know, is, is much harder. It's not a one-time event where you have a, a quick response. This is something that is protracted. It's taking time. Uh, and anything we know that is worthwhile takes time. And the benefit and the reward um, definitely at the end uh, overshadows anything that we had invested in time and energy because of, of, of how rich it can be. Joseph wasn't quite seeing that, though. He's just thinking, God, what are you up to? And I'm confused. And I don't know where it's headed. And, you know, the nice thing about having hindsight is you can look back and you can see all the stuff that happened. Um, yesterday, I was going through pictures of our kids uh, right before we moved out here, which would have been almost 11 years ago. And, uh, and, and Christian, I think he was up here, but heard me talking about him and he left. Uh, he's actually going to, going to work. Uh, but I saw some pictures of Christian, and he was, he was little. And as I saw the pictures, I could just remember stuff that he used to say and um, uh, just different um, ideas that were brewing and churning in his head that were very rudimentary by comparison to where he's at now. And I saw Mayim, and I thought, holy cow, she has just grown. Where has the time gone? I saw a picture of myself, and I didn't realize that my hair used to be dark. And um, so a lot changes over time. But uh, it, just, it, just, it just went like that. But I'll have to tell you that as I was going through it, I, I didn't know where it was headed. I didn't know how they'd end up. I didn't know if these kids would land on their feet or they'd land on the street. And uh, I'm gratified to see that they are, they're, trying to, they're, they're trying to take responsibility for themselves Increasingly, uh, as you know, once you have your kid, from that day forward, it's just a process of letting go and helping them to be able to be let go. Uh, and God was doing that in Joseph's life, and He was allowing this moment of really 
darkness and uncertainty to just be that gestation period for what would blow up. So uh, these are the things you need to be aware of. His state wasn't so, so good as far as his outlook, but his confidence and trust in God was as strong as ever. So if you're waiting, perhaps even feeling forgotten or abandoned by God, I just want to assure you that God hasn't forgotten you, that he hasn't abandoned you, that this happens to all of us. Many of us have been there and we can say, I I see it now, but I didn't see it then. Mainly because God's timing is not always our timing. Because we don't understand what he's up to when we're tested. Now my son, my, my youngest son, he felt like at age four that it was, his timing was to be able to get behind the wheel and drive. And um, he went out and started the car at four years old. And um, I had to say, no, your timing is not my timing. And uh, he turned 16 in the fall, and I'm still not sure if my timing is here yet. Uh, but we're having a debate about that. Um, God is doing something according to his timetable because he sees you, all of you, in your potential, in your capability, in your shortcomings, in what needs to be worked on, and he really has the best plan to help refine us and focus us and make us into what we need to be. And so sometimes he'll allow things that don't make any sense because he's up to something to make us what we need to become. I didn't know that when I first walked into a church door. That God was, as soon as I walked in, he put it in gear, he disengaged the clutch, and he said, we're off and running. Leonard, you have no idea what's, what's ahead of you. You have no idea what I'm up to in your life. And for a good part of your early Christian life, it's going to be very confusing until you discover how it is that I work in people's lives to make them what they need to be. And over time, I've begun to see that pattern. I've, I've seen it in your lives. Been here long enough to see God do some pretty amazing stuff. And I know it's all based on God's timing. Well, here's the second part of this. These, this is something that we need to know. Um, Peter said in 1 Peter 4, and he could speak to it as good as anybody, Beloved, don't be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing, as though some strange thing were happening to you. And what Peter's saying is, look, I've done some dumb things in my life. You know it. The Bible's recorded it. I've got to live with the fact that uh, I betrayed the Lord. But some dumb things have happened to me that were not of my own doing at all. As a matter of fact, I felt like I was unjustly in the wrong place at the wrong time and had to bear the brunt of it. And he said, don't find that strange because God may have allowed that to test you. It's just what he does. And one of the, I think one of the best discipleship manuals is found in First and Second Peter. He basically just spells it out, very practically speaking, how the Christian life works. And everything I've said up to this point, you'll find basically underscored in his writings. So let's go on to the next, next slide. Um, and, 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 and this is what you need to know. There is a pattern to God's test we need to recognize if we want to follow his path for growth. 
And if you haven't caught that already, I'll just say it very bluntly. God has repeatedly, over time, pretty much done the same thing with his people by testing them and leading them and developing them and pushing them into the deep end of the pool so that we can grow. And we need to know that it's not just about coming to church, getting your fire insurance paid so you don't go to hell, but rather it's coming to church, finding redemption so that we're no longer slaves and held captive, and in that redemption, walking into a new way of life that has a growth trajectory that, um, that, that probably will never end. And so God is in the business of growing things. My, my son Christian um, is a prime example of this. What I don't enjoy about being his dad is he thinks he's all smart and stuff when it comes to plants. And he is more so than I am. But he thinks that I'm good grunt labor. So he said, let's order 12 yards of mulch and mulch all of our plants. I'm like, yeah, it's easy for you to say. And then um, six yards later, I'm taking some Tylenol and uh, thinking a good masseuse would be, be pretty good right about now. Um, but there is a, there's a growth trajectory uh, that he has envisioned that's painful for not only himself but those around us. And our growth is a, is a corporate experience. Other people contribute to that. And there were contributors, both positive and negative, in Joseph's life. There were people who tested him that could not, that he could not really stand. But God said, those people are there for a reason. Um, just one more thought on, on that boy. Uh, his freshman year, he had a, another friend in his orbit who would constantly test him and uh, basically manipulate him and try to do things that would, um, um, uh, you know, control him. And, uh, and, 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 and just some twisted stuff. And I said, he said, why, why, why is this... Person, why do I have to deal with this person day in and day out in this way? Uh, you know, he's just, he's, he's very difficult, and we're in the same activities together. Everywhere I go, there he is. I said, well, maybe God has put that person in your life so you can learn to deal with people like that in the most constructive way possible. And at first he didn't understand it. Then I helped him to understand how you navigate that terrain. And what he discovered afterwards was he learned how to sort of disarm the effect this person was having on him. And he also learned how to deal with people who maybe looked at things a little differently in a way that caused a lot of conflict. And in college, he's run into a similar situation. And he shared with me how easy it is to navigate that knowing that he understands how to respond and how to keep his boundaries clear, and how to keep all of his energy focused on moving forward. I said, see, God allowed that person to be a part of your world so you could grow. When the stakes are a lot higher later on in life, you don't have to learn that lesson. You can focus on other things. Joseph had something ahead of him, 
that was epic, but he's not seeing it yet, and neither are we. But this pattern is making it possible for him to get there. Here's what else we need to know. The test that he went through involves a darkness before the dawn. And what I've summarized up to now is essentially found in chapter 40, verses 23 through 41, 1. And here I am. I'm forgotten. I'm abandoned. I'm stuck in prison. And the person who I thought would help me has let me down. Here's a sidebar note on that. We are all human beings. And people do let one another down. It's just within our sinful nature. And sometimes we place too much confidence in other people when we need to place that confidence in God. Now, what we have to do with other people, like any of us, is we have to measure what level of reliability and responsibility they have and, 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 and love them in spite of their shortcomings. Because hopefully they'll love us in return in spite of our shortcomings. And rather than be disillusioned by the fact that a person we thought was really, really great has feet of clay, accept the fact that it happens and celebrate their strengths and help them as they help you to learn and to grow. He's processing all of this. And he's going through the test. But secondly, after the test is the turning point. Pharaoh has a dream. It's hugely disturbing. And no one can help him out. And the, 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 the long and the short of it is, there's one person who knows a little bit about accessing resources for interpreting dreams. And it's the cupbearer. And the cupbearer says, you know what? I just remembered something. There was a guy in prison two years ago who interpreted a dream for me, and he can do that for you. Which Joseph came in, asked Pharaoh what the problem was. Pharaoh described in detail what he saw in the dream. And then in the second dream that occurred, and it was the same pattern, and Joseph said, I can't answer it. But God can. And as I ask God to help me to convey to you its meaning, this is what I know. And he said, the, the fatted sleek cows that you saw in the dream that came up out of the Nile that were devoured by seven other ugly and very gaunt-looking cows, that means there's going to be a famine after seven years of prosperity and you better get ready. And the same applies to the heads of, 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 of wheat on the stock that are, are, are plump and, 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 and just filled with um, uh, just, just, just goodness, devoured by scrawny heads that are filled with blight. And the dream basically still stands. Seven years of incredible abundance than seven years of absolute scarcity. And you better be ready, because it's coming. And when it does, and if you're not ready, it's not going to be pretty. And Pharaoh said, well, what do I do? And Joseph said, well, you need somebody who can, from an administrative standpoint, prepare everything so that this thing lands well. And Pharaoh consulted his people around him, and he finally said, you know what? I need an administrator who is capable of leading us through this. And Joseph, I think you're the guy. 
And then all of a sudden, hindsight becomes 2020. God, you were working on my life all this time for this moment because hundreds and hundreds of thousands, if not millions of lives, are going to depend on us navigating this road ahead in a way that's going to lead not to death, but to life for all of those that will be affected by it. And it's profoundly just coming home to Joseph that what he went through was necessary for what he was going to be called to do on the road ahead. Do not consider strange this fiery trial you're going through because God is up to something and in time, he'll make it clear. Here's the last thing about this. I know I've gone a little bit long, but there is a reward. Joseph, because he was faithful in the testing, was faithful to keep God in the center, found himself given an incredible responsibility that his faithfulness enabled him to be equipped for. And Joseph was rewarded. He was given the title of second in command over the the world empire of the day. He was given a robe that dignified his role. Interestingly enough, garments seemed to factor in his life at every turn. He was given a wife, and he had children, and the children were Ephraim and Manasseh, and their names mean, uh, they, they basically summarize God's faithfulness through this whole ordeal. In that reward, uh, he discovered a blessing that he would not have managed well had he not gone through what he went through. If you know anyone who's ever won the lottery, or you've heard the stories, you know if you're not equipped to manage the resource, you're not going to keep the resource. But if you are equipped to manage the resource, then you're going to take that resource and do the very best that you can to not only sustain it, but expand it. And that just takes a long process of equipping. Ultimately, God has given us resources along the way, but he's preparing us for the responsibility of managing resources in his new creation that I I can't even fathom. That's why it's necessary for us to go through this time of testing so that we can be who we need to be. Well, let's close it out by looking at, at, at what to do. Here's what you do when the darkness comes, when the confusion reigns, when you feel forgotten, when you feel abandoned, when you're being tested. Trust God. Don't panic. Because he's building something in you that takes time. So honor the process. I was so gratified Thursday night uh, meeting with the kids and uh, the sponsors and the volunteers for Heritage Girls. And I saw something emerge out of that situation that a year ago didn't even exist. And it was an organizational structure that was pretty highly functional that had uh, basically right out of the gate involved the tragic loss of a husband and a child in a drowning. And, and with these dark things that were happening uh, to, to, to Rachel Yokely and, 
and the people that she was uh, closely with, uh, the, the Vadino family, the thoughts just raced that maybe we need to shut this whole thing down. But they felt like God was in the process, honor the process, keep faithful. It's going to take time. And it was amazing how they didn't panic. And I, don't, I can't even fathom what that was like. And they said, God's doing something here, and we want to keep going. They trusted God. And we have to as well. Here's the second thing. When it's over, thank God without pride. And by that I mean, I've learned very early on, um, anything good that happens, I know I had to be faithful to walk into it. But truly it was the result of God's blessing and grace. And that's one reason why worship is so important for me every Sunday. I come here and I thank Him. Thank Him for all of the accomplishments and achievements that have been able to happen through His strength. Thank Him for His grace where I've fallen short. And then I take what I've been given and use it for His good purpose. Joseph did that. God calls us to do that each and every day. Whatever He's added to your life, just continue to say, Lord, thank you for this. I may not be called to be a pastor. I may not be called to be someone who is a full-time Christian vocational worker. I may be called to go to Disney World. I may be called to go to Rockwell. And whatever I do, I need to do it all for the glory of the Lord. Because in some way, he's going to use even those vocational fields to work everything together for a common good. And he's at work in every aspect, every pathway uh, that we're called to do good and noble and, and, and healthy things. And it's all his way of taking the diversity of who we are and collectively making something good. Joseph knew that as time unfolded, but it wasn't that he had a clear picture early on, but as he marched forward in faithfulness to God. He went from the pit to the pinnacle. And God has that in mind in form for us. Not that we're going to do that, but that we're going to become something for him that is much better than where we started. And maybe for you, it's just time to start. To begin to trust, to know that there is a layer to life that has God written all over it. And you need to attend to that layer so that you can see with greater clarity how he's orchestrating things in your life and what his purpose and his plan is for you and the hope that he wants to embed in your heart. But beyond all that, that you can know him in a personal way and have Jesus Christ not only as your Savior, but also as your abiding companion through the valleys and through the mountaintops of life. That you may know his joy, that you may know his fellowship, you may know his protection and everything that he's promised in his word. These are the riches that we have in him that as time unfolds become even richer and richer as we see them more clearly and as we participate in them more abundantly.